It's Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis. He is Ron Filipkowski, editor-in-chief of MidasTouch.com, the uh, latest place or the best place to get the latest news. Uh, in fact, it's now the only place to get the news. Isn't that right, Ron? I seem to think. Well, there might be one or two others, but we're the best. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. I think that's probably the last time we can say that, not because it's been right. banned by Democrats, but because you know the season is almost coming to a close. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was great. Yeah. Very relaxing. Family over. Not too many arguments. So, yeah. That's and, good. Oh, I don't know. Are we allowed to mention your Christmas? I, I guess so. I mean, it's, you know, it's too I late mean, now, isn't it? You've got, you've got married over Christmas. So I, I, got, I did get married on Christmas Eve. Yeah. 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 For the second time in my life, which is uh, kind of cool. Yeah. I highly, I highly recommend it. Um, So let's uh, steam in on the Christmas theme because we've got a lot to uncover today. As you know, we uncover the far-right and MAGA propaganda that is not covered by the mainstream media here on Uncovered, exclusively on the Midas Touch Network. Uh, I want to start with Trump's Christmas message. You know, he posted something. When I first read it, I thought it was a a joke, right? I thought somebody had made this up and done it in in his Truth Social font. But it turned out this is actually him. I'll I'll read it aloud for those who are listening on audio. He posted, Merry Christmas to all, including crooked Joe Biden's only hope, deranged Jack Smith, the out-of-control lunatic who just hired outside attorneys fresh from the swamp, brackets unprecedented, to help him with his poorly executed witch hunt against Trump and MAGA. Uh, Included also are world leaders, both good and bad, but none of which are as evil and sick as the thugs we have inside our country who, with their open borders, inflation, Afghanistan surrender, which was his idea, green new scam, high taxes, no energy independence, woke military, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Iran, all electric car lunacy and so much more are looking to destroy our once great USA. May they rot in hell Again, Merry Christmas. <laughs> how, I mean, how can that not be fake? I mean, it's like the fact that this is a former president of the United States, but not just that. This is a guy who's running for president and seems to have the full backing of the Republican Party. Who writes that stuff? Uh, how we know it's not fake is because he does this every holiday. I mean, yeah. I, I've chronicled this uh, he did it on Veterans Day. He did it on Memorial Day, Easter, Mother, even Mother's Day. He does the same thing every time. And there's many different theories on it um, that it he one theory that's pretty plausible, I think, is that he can't stand his cult's attention being diverted away from him. Yeah. It's sort of like in Lord of the Rings, like the eye of Sauron kind of swinging away from, right. the, from the, you know, and that. It bothers him that like all of his people are not paying attention to him. So it, he has to throw this out there just to get attention on a Well, he's holiday. jealous of Jesus. He, he can't right. let Jesus have like two days no. over the holidays. <laughs> no. He feels like he's being upstaged by the Messiah. Even on his resurrection day, he can't he can't give him he can't <laughs> give him that day either. Yeah. Right. But it also goes to show just his his horribleness, his awfulness. Yeah. I mean, you never see him with the grandkids on holidays or with his own kids. I mean, on the rare occasions you do, it's just this formal staged photo and then they go their separate way. So yeah, he, you know, he's got a, he's a lonely, angry, bitter man. 
and and that kind of a person is pretty dangerous and and you know the lonely is something that we should really talk about because to be isolated in politics especially when you don't know who to trust and when the only people that really are around you are the people that are going to say what you want to hear so you are very much in this kind of echo chamber of darkness negativity and sadness I mean, how he's still alive, I don't know. You know, most people's hearts would have given out or we know he eats his feelings. I mean, but there is still gas in the tank. I I don't get it. Yeah, what keeps him going? I mean, hatred at this point is probably what drives him. Right. You know, and and I pay a lot of attention to what goes on at Mar-a-Lago. As you know, I follow a lot of the members there. And, you know, and you watch him from day to day, as I do. Um, you know, coming in, going out, sitting down, po- photos, all that stuff. And yeah, you just see the same pattern of like, you know, he he walks in, they all stand up and cheer and they applaud him and they tell him how great he is. He takes a few selfies. It's almost like that's his therapy. You know, that's yeah. his injection of that's the love that he's getting, because obviously he's not getting it from anywhere else and it, close to him. Um, he, what do you want? He doesn't really want love. It seems to me he wants adoration. You know, he wants hero worship and seems to get off on it. But and, and it's, the, it's the dictatorial thing, isn't it? I mean, that this yeah. all feeds into him being proud to be a dictator because even the media discussing him being potentially a dictator gives elevates his ego and, and it, it massages his ego. And it's almost like morals have no value. It's like, if someone thinks that I'm good enough to be a dictator, I'll take it. I think he likes the dictator talk. I, absolutely. I think, I think he absolutely enjoys it yeah. because it, it, yeah, it projects power and strength and all of that. Which are things he doesn't have. And so and, it, it adds to the yeah. grift. And, and, and him knowing people are afraid of him and in fear of him becoming yeah. president, he loves that too. He loves people being afraid of him. They're not afraid of him himself. But they're afraid of what he can do. If he gets back in there with the power of the office, you know, but he's a he's a weakling, you know, um, it's so screwed up. All of it, person. you know, the whole the yeah. whole kind of emotional narrative of it is so screwed up. And and going back to that kind of the loneliness and having to project this strength when there is none. It, it's it's not how humans are supposed to behave. You know, it's it's a very it's a ver- it's a very unnatural glove to wear. And, yep. you know, he does his best. And, you know, segueing a little bit into what we're going to talk about next, his 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 faith <laughs> or lack thereof, yep. you know, um, Christians come in all different stripes, of course. You know, you have some that believe in God and never go to church. You have some that go on that go every Sunday. And then you have some that sort of go on special occasions. And those mm-hmm. special occasions are Easter and Christmas. And every pastor is going to tell you that, you know, the congregation swells on those two days of people that they've never seen before. Um, But even, but Trump can't even do that. He hasn't, the last time he went to church was Christmas 2021. And he went to a church in Dallas and gave a political speech (laughs) and, and, and uh, apologized to the crowd and said how much Melania really wanted to go with him, but couldn't make it. She was tied up doing other things that was the last time he's been to church he, he's been to church one time since leaving office and it was one easter he went in palm beach 
because uh, he's a he's a fake Christian. He's yeah. just a fake Christian, and anybody who thinks he's a Christian is, is has been fooled. Before we get into the religion, because I really do want to talk about that, let's just talk yeah. about Melania for a second, because right. she is effectively on the missing list, right? She she now is. It seems that she is, uh, you know, former first lady for hire, right? To the to the highest bidder, you can rent her from a first lady store, and have her sit at your table and pretend to be your your wife. I mean, that's what it seems like. The interesting thing for me is like to watch how the MAGA cult views their relationship and views her because they absolutely believe that this is an idyllic marriage. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely believe that the two of them uh, sleep together are, you know, have dinner together every night, are best friends and love each other and are affectionate. And everything I see like that is simply not there. For example, you know, a lot of people were questioning yesterday, where was Melania on Christmas Eve? Where was Melania on Christmas? He's walking around Mar-a-Lago alone. Finally, he puts that out right there that you just put up. Yeah. So acting as if this is the two of them today on Christmas afternoon. Yeah. That was a 2018 photo. Oh, really? And, yeah. That, that photo is from 2018. And so he's putting that out like it was yesterday. And 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 what happened was all the MAGA people were passing that around that this this post saying, oh, aren't they beautiful? Look, here's today's photo, Christmas photo. And I was like, no, it's that's an, that's five years old. That's not, <laughs> you know, Melania hasn't been seen in Mar-a-Lago in, in I don't know how long. Um, and so, yeah, it just it, it it's this they the way they MAGA perceives their relationship is not what it is. And, and we chronicled this. Uh, back months ago, uh, I think it was USA Today or somebody did a story about how they renegotiated the prenuptial agreement because she did not want him to run again. She wants out of the spotlight. She wants out of politics. She doesn't want to get dragged back into this again. And it was it was misery for her to be first lady. It really was. And I don't think that's what that's the life that she wants. And so obviously he knew that there's no way I can do this again without getting divorced for a third time or without Melania. So obviously they came to some sort of financial arrangement that does not involve her being seen with him very often. She hasn't once gone to a campaign event with him. She hasn't once gone on the road with him. As we see, it's Alina Haba that accompanies him on the road. And she's almost never seen at Mar-a-Lago. Just very, very rare sightings. I may have seen her three or four times in the last year. It's also important to note, I don't think anybody really talks about this, but, you know, being a model, which was her career before she met him, you have to be able to act in a certain way on cue for the camera. When it's freezing cold and you're in a swimsuit, you've got to look like it's warm and you're enjoying a summer's day. You, you have to, you know, be able to look sexy or be able to look, you know, enticing. Or if you're selling a product, you've got to look a certain way. These are the skills of the model. That's right. And these are the skills that she has been employing. She, you know, is not feeling it. And I, you know, this is just my opinion, you know, I'm just being presumptuous here. But, you know, knowing the model industry a little bit, I just know that that's one of her great skills, you know, because when we listened back to that Christmas tape from three years ago (laughs) where she was complaining about having to decorate the White House, do you remember? And she was on the phone to her friend. Was she talking to uh, Stephanie uh, Wolkoff? um, That's right. I think. But 
she was just moaning and she was just like swearing and being like, why do I have to do this shit? <laughs> and it was, it was a real eye opener as to, you know, she's just done. And that was years ago. We see these very small, brief snapshots of the, the truth of these people. Yeah. And it usually comes when they're being recorded and they don't know it. Right. I mean, we've seen that with Trump when he's talking to um, uh, the guys in Atlanta, uh, Raffensperger, about the election. You know, yeah. that asking for the 11,000 vote. He didn't know he was being recorded then. Yeah, um, That's when the real Trump and the real Melania come out. And we see that they're pretty ugly people. Yeah. Um, really behind the scenes. And and it's a very transactional, you know, relationship here. I, I don't think if she had never had Baron, I think that the uh, most likely the marriage would have ended a long time ago. Right. You know, I think that that's what's what held them together for quite a while that and, you know, having to put on this facade for politics. Yeah. Uh, Again, so. it's just unnatural. You know, the whole thing is squaring a circle. And, yeah. and, and for anybody who has had to live with the amount of stress that these types of scenarios come with, it shortens your life. You know, it, it brings on, you know, lifelong illness. It's, it's like it is not a, 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 a peaceful place for your body to reside. Yeah. And, you know, I do think about the kind of holistic aspect of this. It does take its toll on people. And from a stress perspective, you know, people underestimate quite how bad stress is for you. But I think that that has an impact on his psyche. Yeah. It's one of the, you know, the court cases we've talked about a lot, stressing him out and causing him to be so angry and nasty, even worse than he was before. Right. But this is also part of it, too. I think he's getting no companionship whatsoever, un unless it's coming from Haba or somebody else. You know, well, we know that Iva Ivanka and Jared have kind of isolated themselves from they him. Have. And, you know, he, he leaned on them quite a lot during his White House tenure. And, you know, his ex-wife has now been buried. And it's like what well, well, we presume for, for tax purposes. But th isn't this the problem is that, you know, the further down the rabbit hole he goes, the more people are going to flee. And the the we'll talk about it a bit later, but the Hitler rhetoric is still ramping up. He's not walking back any of those things, doubling down on it. This is only going to isolate him more and more. And it's very sad. L let's talk about the Trump being a fake Christian for a second, because you unearthed a montage video of him in 2016. Let's talk about the difference, you know, the change how he was sold to evangelicals in 2016 versus what they are, are doing now, because people are not really talking about this. Yeah. So the, you know, the Christmas post gave me the idea to go back and, and pull some of the, the more famous clips, like the two Corinthians thing and, yeah. and all of that to try and put together a montage to just show like this person is not really a Christian. He's never read the Bible, but you know, I, I was looking for a really obscure clip, which was the one where he compared the Bible to watching a movie. <laughs> and I and it took me a long time to find it. But when I was in the process of trying to dig that up, it led me into so many clips that I had never seen before from the 2016 campaign. The reason why I hadn't seen them is because they were on all these Christian channels right. and all these Christian broadcasts. And when I started watching these, it really, really hit home looking back on them now about the way he was sold, because what was happening then is very clearly is 
all the evangelical voters were very skeptical and very hesitant to back Trump. They were not on board until yeah. I think they broke very late. And you see all of these political evangelical leaders, you know, the right wing political people that mix religion and, and politics that had signed on and were doing their best to sort of promote him to their to their followers. Well, how did they do that? Well, they knew that Trump was not a religious person, a person of faith. They knew he didn't know anything about the Bible, never went to church. So they sold like a political religious message, which was Trump ran on, on two things to the evangelicals. He, he talked about this constantly in every single interview, which is two things. Number one, Supreme Court justices. I'm going to give you your Supreme Court justices. He never said to overturn Roe, but that was the implied, right. you know, what was going to happen. But he never said that because I think he didn't want to, freak yeah. out the, the moderates. Yeah. And then number two, repealing the Johnson Amendment, he promised them over and over again, which which is the the law that says that you can't you lose your tax exempt status as a church if you get involved in politics. You can't endorse candidates and all of that. So he promised to do that. Now, he came through with the Supreme Court justice, but he never did repeal the Johnson Amendment. OK, but that's how they sold it to their people. And when you when but in in some of these interviews, very rare occasions they would ask him his knowledge of the Bible or his relationship with God or whatever. And, you know, that's when hilarity ensued. Just these absurd word salad answers that clearly showed that he he had no relationship with the yeah. Bible whatsoever. But also how dumb he thinks that everybody watching must be to be able to buy the excuses that he gives for not being able to talk about his faith. That's the thing. That's that, that kind of missing area that I think about a lot is that when he's doing his his word salad, as you describe, it's so obvious Sorry. to anybody that, that he's on the back foot and he's making stuff up. And yet the interviewers are always like, oh, OK, I would just love someone to go. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won't. Well, they won't because they're trying to they're trying to drag him over the finish line. Yeah. They're trying to help him. That's right. They're all um, electioneering. Yeah. But, you know, what any other normal human would do is is just is just come clean and just say, look, I I my mom brought me to church when I was a kid. But, you know, then I got caught up in family and business and I'm running all this this business empire. I didn't have time to go to church. I didn't have time to read the Bible. I should have. Yeah, that's a failing of mine. But, uh, you know, I now realize that and I'm sort of introspective and I'm going to go back and start going to church. I mean, that's sort of you come up with a semi honest answer to kind of bluff your way through it. That, but that he refuses to do anything like that. He just he's just got to act like he's he's a Christian. But this is the narcissism, right? This is this is, you know, the psychologist will tell you this is the narcissistic personality disorder, where if you say anything, it therefore people must think it's true. And it's a bit like when he tried to pray COVID away by saying, oh, you know, it's just a couple of people that will be gone by the end of the week or, you know, shining a light inside the body or drinking the bleach or hydroxychloroquine or any of this kind of quack things that he was saying. The narcissistic personality is such that if I say it, it will become true. But what they do is they say it and then they close their eyes so they don't have to see what comes next. Yeah, and the windmills cause cancer and yeah, kill all, all of the it. whales and the birds and the and the forest fire theories. Yeah, you're you're right. It's all it's the same kind of nonsense. He's just BSing. And just uh, how just before I show this mashup that you made. Yeah. 
how do the Christians overcome his impurity? Because that really is the one that I struggle with the most. You know, he is known for his, not just his multiple wives, but, you know, the parties and the hookers and the and the drug use and, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and all of this stuff. Like, how do they, how do they overcome that in their minds? It's interesting because the way that the, these same evangelical leaders are packaging him, him to their followers now is so much different than it was in 2016. Right. You know, in 2016, it was, he's going to do these two policy things for us. He's going to get us three Supreme Court justices and re- repeal the Johnson Amendment. We, we kind of know, yeah, he's not really one of us, but he's going he's gonna to do good things for us, whereas others maybe aren't going to follow through on that. Now, again, they're, 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 they're using an external things to sell him, which is they're not saying, oh, he's become a, a devout Christian. You know, they're, they're not making that selling point because um, they know they would look foolish. What they're saying, though, is that evil, deep state, Satanist people are controlling the government behind the scenes and that God has chosen, you know, Trump to be the one to defeat them and God is going to work through him. And that's, so they've completely changed the messaging now from, you know, he's going to do a couple specific policy things for us to now he's the Messiah. And, and maybe he doesn't even know it and maybe he's not worthy of it, but God has chosen him and we're all sinners and we're all imperfect. And, and that's the new messaging. I don't know. I don't know if it's working. It seems to be working, I guess. It's it's a little far-fetched, but I have no doubt that a good percentage of people who are looking for this absolution, who are looking for this end of days or whatever, you know, the resurrection, I mean, I don't really even know what to call it, but if they can pin that on Donald Trump, then they will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here he is from the olden days. The Bible, you talked about... Yeah. The Art of the Deal, great book. The Bible, even better. Why is that for you? What well, is there's it? so many things. Like, you know, uh, you take uh, whatever you want to say. There's so many things that you can learn from it. Uh, Proverbs, the chapter, never bend to envy. I've had that thing all of my life where you're, people are bending to envy. And they're just, it's, actually, it's an incredible book. So many things you can learn from the Bible and you can lead your life. And I'm not just talking in terms of religion. I'm talking in terms of leading a life, mm-hmm. even beyond a religion. There's so many brilliant things in the Bible. And you can- I'm wondering what one or two of your most favored Bible uh, verses are well, and why. I, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. So I don't want to get into there's verses. No, there's I don't no want to get into There's no, no verse that means I, a I lot just, to you that you think about or cite. The, the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics. Favorite authors? Well, I have a number of favorite authors. I think Tom Wolfe is excellent. Did you, read ba- did you read Vanity of the Bonfires? I did not. It's a, it's a phenomenal book. What uh, book are you reading now? Yeah. Well, I'm reading, Bonfire the Vanities, I'm reading my me. own book again because yeah. I think it's so fantastic, Tom. I mean, Is there a favorite Bible verse or Bible story that has informed your thinking or your character through life, sir? Well, I think many. I mean, you know, when we get into the Bible, I think many, so many. And uh, you know, people talk an eye for an eye. You can almost say that. That's not a particularly nice thing. But, you know, if you look at what's happening to our country, I mean, when you see what's going on with our country, how people are taking advantage of us and and how they scoff at us and laugh at us and they laugh at our face. And it's the best uh, book you've what? read beside Art of the Deal. 
Um, I, I really like Tom Wells' last book, and uh, I think I think he's a great author. He's uh, he's done a beautiful job. He's which book? He's uh, the, his current book. His his just his current book. It's just out. Bonfire of the Vanities. Yes, um. and and uh, the uh, the man has done a, a very very good job. And I don't I I really can't hear with his earphone, by the way. And I asked some of the folks because I hear this is a major theme right here. But two Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians. 317, that's the whole ballgame. Where the Spirit of the Lord, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And here there is Liberty College, but Liberty University. But it is so true. You know, when you think, and that's really, is that the one? Is that the one you like? I think that's the one. Even to cite a verse that no, you like. No, I don't want to do that. You're I mean, an Old okay. Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Uh, probably equal. I think it's just an incredible, the whole Bible is an incredible idea. You can read it over, and many people have done this, and they've led their life that way, but you can read it hundreds and hundreds of times. You know, David, they say great art, like the Mona Lisa. Some people, they look at it, and it doesn't look as great at the beginning, and then they'll look at it. By the time they see it many, many times, it becomes the most of it. They can't take their eyes off it. Mm -hmm. Whereas art that's not great, you look at it, it looks beautiful at the beginning, but you don't, you get tired of it. The Bible is special. The Bible, the more you see it, the more you read it, the more incredible it is. The whole Bible is an incredible. I joke uh, very much so. They always hold up the art of the deal. I say my second favorite book of all time. But uh, I just think the Bible is just something very special. I don't like to use this analogy, but like a great movie, a great, incredible movie. Mm -hmm. You'll see it once, it'll be good. You'll see it again. You can see it 20 times, and every time you'll appreciate it more. The Bible is the most special thing. I mean, he's just a moron. We, we should make that clear. I mean, this is moronic. These answers are moronic. And he thinks that everybody is as dumb as he is. Yeah, the Bible's just like the Godfather, you know. <laughs> the more right. you watch it, the more you appreciate it, right? But he, he talks about it like it's a like it's a, a a business, you know, like a bestseller. Like it's, you know, it did great. Oh yeah, it's a great book, like it's a great it's a page turner. It's it's so weird who talks about the Bible like that. I mean, even people like me who are not of faith, we still respect the fact that to other people that is an important isn't it very it's like the linchpin of their faith. He doesn't talk about it like it's that. He talks about it like it's a bestseller. Yeah. And and the other part, you know, the, the clip in there about Tom Wolfe, that's the part that's not about the Bible. It's just yeah. about him being asked about reading books. Yeah. I mean, why did he choose Tom Wolfe? At the time, Tom Wolfe was the, had the number one bestseller right. in the country. Right. And so that's the only name he knew. You know? He didn't know the name of the book. But then he, he didn't know remember. the name of the book. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, but he but it's it's so obvious that he doesn't read because you can tell that from his vocabulary and the way that he then, you know, the fact that he can't reference anything ever. So he makes stuff up like, oh, you know, like some people, they look at the Mona Lisa and then they have to go back. Like, how does he formulate this stuff? Because it maybe he saw that in like Ferris Bueller's day off or something, you know, like 30 years ago and just like kind of remembered that they spent the day at a museum. <laughs> Because <laughs> his popular cultural references are, are embarrassing. And, you know, the, the, what's also embarrassing is how these evangelical interviewers and pastors and leaders who are asking him these questions don't call him on, on any of no. this stuff because, you know, they have their own self-interest. It's they, they don't they don't attempt to pin him down on any of it. You know, no. you keep saying it's a great book. Why is it great? What 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 is it about the book that you like? Like, what, and and by the way, 
you don't really reference it as a book. I mean, most Christians don't talk about the Bible as a book. Well, they call it's it the God's good word. Book. It's the good no. book, not the great yeah. book. <laughs> but it, but I mean, you would reference that as a Christian yeah. as God's word, not it's a great book. I mean, yeah. he's talking about it like it's Tom Wolfe, like it was ghost written. It was yeah. it was it was ghost written so that the author, you know, had a better chance of selling more copies. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, and, and there's so much to that. I mean, the uh, eye for an eye. I mean, he's talking about, well, I'd cite eye for an eye. Well, Jesus specifically like repudiated eye yeah. for an eye. And and the other part that he cited at the beginning, I forget which one. Um, Was it Corinthians? The, the, before that. Okay. That that section that he talked about, uh, the the envy, the envy part. Envy, is, yeah. Is not even in the Bible. So, you know, but they don't they don't call him on it. And, you know, what clearly happened is those questions were not allowed after those first few interviews because... Mm-hmm. You never saw him being asked Bible questions ever again. There, there was only about a half dozen times during 16 when, you know, they could sneak in those kind of questions. And obviously they got the word from the campaign, like no more Bible questions because yeah. <laughs> they just dried up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad because, you know, faith is important to a good many people and people look for leadership and they are going to struggle to find it in that man. You know, that's that's the thing that I feel sad about. You know, to be a con artist is one thing, but to con people of faith out of their religion in order to grift them for money or just to kind of lead them down the wrong path. I mean, it really is the some of the worst aspects of humanity. And and it's like doing a deal with the devil. And, you know, we've we've never seen really from either party a presidential candidate package himself this way as yeah. as a Christian leader of yeah. faith. You know, maybe Pat Robertson when he ran in 88, but that he wasn't but, serious. But we're not supposed to be a, a country of faith anymore. You know, we're it's not. like, that's the whole point is but, that but the you idea, do you. But we've had very devout presidents and very right. devout presidential candidates, but they never sold that as part of their deal. Yeah. You know, they kept that separate. And, and now we have this person who is the least faith right. you know the least person of faith we've ever had run for president i can't think of anybody who is less a person of faith than donald trump and yet he's being packaged as the messiah it's so bizarre even the atheists amongst us have more faith than that guy you know that, seriously <laughs> probably know more bible verses <laughs> yeah and 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 understand the kind of morals the moral teachings of the bible which are right. in are in all books of of faith you know, from the Torah to the Quran to they all teach the the, the same. The theming is the same, yep. and yet the guy who doesn't get it is the guy who is the the mouthpiece for Christianity. It's just jokes. Listen, I, I we could talk about Donald Trump all show. We will go back to him a little bit later, but I want to move on to another of your favorites from uh, Florida. It's uh, Ron DeSantis this time. We've talked a lot about how his wife, who is a former news anchor, Casey DeSantis, how compared to him, she is so eloquent and very capable with the cameras, something that he is not. And it seems like she's having to do a little bit more work. Let me play the clip and then you can kind of talk us through what you think is kind of going on here. The people who are criticizing us are the people who are saying that we what shouldn't be spending time with our family and our seven, five and three year olds. Like there is a, you know, folks who want to go up to Washington because they like the cocktail class circuit and they like to get, you know, friendly with the lobbying core and they criticized him 
for coming home in Washington when he was serving to come call his family or go back to his office so he could talk to us and talk to his family. And so, you know, I just reject that. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. We as a family, you know, and we talked about this earlier, your kids grow up so fast. We have seven, five, and three. Any Before plans for we more? Know, uh, <laughs> well, buckle your seatbelt. I think I'm good with seven, five, and three right now. I'm trying to, you know, get from point A to point so B. You're not trying. You're, you're trying to get to point, point A. Point 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 point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me just make that. sure I clarify <laughs> that. Yes. Trying to get, a, you know, a seven, five, and a three-year-old out the door every day with hats and gloves and what have you is, is a challenge. But, oh, you make um, it look effortless. Well, thank you for that, because it's like a duck, I guess, under the water. You're paddling like heck, but above, everything is just fine. Well, I haven't even thought that far ahead yet to think about. I'm just still trying to get back to the Christmas present thing, right, to make sure we have everything under is, the tree. Is he going to cook? Is he a cook? He is a good cook. He has cooked. I don't think you're going to cook. I love cooking. I am not good at cooking, but I enjoy the process of doing it, and I like to have my little helpers in the kitchen with me. So uh, we're going to attempt to cook. Well, I don't want to give in to any of their narratives, but what I want them to know about Ron DeSantis is he is the real deal. When he says he's going to do something, he gets it done. He delivers on 100% of his promises. And I think we as Republicans, we are tired of losing. He showed in the state of Florida that you can win and you can win big. And when he won by that largest landslide in the history of the state of Florida, it wasn't just Republicans. It was independents and indeed Democrats were coming on board to support him because of his leadership. And so I want people to know that. I want people to know that he's a good dad. I want people to know that he served in the United States military. He's the only one running who served in the military, the only one who deployed uh, to Iraq in 2007 and served in a war zone. And so I think these are really important things because I, I, I think people see they want a restoration of sanity. They want a restoration of family values. They want to win again and they want to win on the issues that matter to them. She, she didn't mention the bit about him advocating for torture in Guantanamo Bay. But uh, what's going on here? I mean, he did he sit in silence for the entirety of that interview? <laughs> Yeah, he spoke a little bit. I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, I, I have chronicled over the years how the DeSantis's have used kids, not not simply their own kids, but other people's kids as political props. And yeah. and when they do all these controlled press conferences and stuff and presentations and propaganda things in Florida over the last three, four years, invariably, they'll have kids lined up behind him, standing behind him at all of these events. Um, and this is all coming from Casey. This is her, this is her thing because she thinks packaging them as, you know, parents of young kids is what's going to cause people to vote for them. And, and that's going to distinguish them from Trump or Haley or somebody like that. Um, and that's why she just repeats constantly their ages. You hear it, seven, five, and three, seven, five, and three. And she's always talking about, you know, how they behave and how they're playing and dragging them in. So, at the beginning, when she's talking about being criticized, the situation is these kids have been on the road since March, you know, traveling to Iowa. They, they haven't been home. I don't know if they're going to school, what they're doing, but that's where the criticism comes because they're pulling them up in front of all these strangers all the time, you know, on stages and on camera and putting microphones in their face, that, you know, and and I just think about that as like a three-year-old or a yeah. five-year-old or a seven-year-old, what that must be like for them to go through that, to be having people looking at you all the time. And it's just not normal. And, and it's just so strange for parents 
to use their kids that way. We, we've not really seen that in politics before where the kids are young kids are actually part of the campaign every single day. Never seen it before. Maybe they think it's the differential run, you know, because they're looking at the other candidates and they're going, well, obviously Trump's not going to wheel Barron out and, you know, he's not had much luck with Don Jr. and, and Eric. So, you know, and, and the fact that the others don't either don't have children or very much keep them in the background and they think that this kind of Christian, you know, this perfect family union, you know, of, of, of 2.4 children or three children and a dog or... You know, to try and create an image that does belong on the front of a of a, an old-fashioned Christmas card. And, and you know, th- that's really what I feel they're doing here. But the, the way they're going about it, it's really... I mean, I don't want to use the phrase child abuse. It's a bit dramatic. But it really is very unhealthy to expose children to this kind of... Not just media, but actually the political climate, which is so divisive. You know, kids don't need that. And I speak as someone who has kids very similar ages to, to the DeSantis's. And trust me, I mean, I also think she's exhausted. I mean, anybody who's got children where, you know, if, especially if your husband's off on the campaign trail and you're having to work and be a mum at home, it, it is exhausting. And it's a full-time job. And, you know, when people use, used to use that phrase, oh, I'm just a housewife, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, if that's the case, you're working much harder than your partner. And I, I really feel like, you know, that the people now understand that to to bring up kids in this in this modern world with all the pressures associated with that and also the cost that it does take an army to, to, to pull that off. And I feel like she's almost crying for help. It's almost like it's, it's family counseling where she's saying, I need my husband back at home. This is a lot. It could be. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, but I also think that, you know, I don't think voters are really looking or weighing how stressful her job as a mom is, which is what she continues to talk about. Yeah. As 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 a decision in their who they're going to vote for for president, like okay, you know you're you're having a stressful time with your young kids on the road. Why why are we talking about that? Yeah. Why aren't we talking about healthcare? You know, uh, you know, if P- Americans like probably most people are saying, what are you going to do to make my life better? Mm. They don't want to hear about your family problems. You know, but, or, but the political advisors are looking at him who does not connect well because of his yeah because of his um That's it. wiring or his you know he cuz I, I keep saying he's definitely in my view on the spectrum the autism spectrum and 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 because of the way that he communicates you know i recognize that behavior and yeah. i feel that the the advisors have said we need to make him more human yeah. we need to be talking more about family and you know and and you need to be able to connect with everyone and and so she's come in, and because she's a professional, she's taken that brief and turned it into a production. And yeah. it's too much. Yeah. And, and this is not something that a candidate should have to spend time on, yeah. is <laughs> reassuring people that he's normal, you yeah. know, and he's a, he's a regular guy and a regular yeah. dad. And so, yeah, having to cede half of your interview time on Fox to your wife, or, or more than half, to explain that you're a good dad... Is, is not ideal. 
when you're running for president. Have you, you noticed know? how he changes when she talks? It's like he goes into low power mode. He does. Right? It's almost as if he... Always fun to watch his face. Well, he's relieved. I'll just show a few more seconds. Just look at the way he yeah. lets her do it and then, like, shuts down. The people who are criticizing us are the people who are saying that we, what, shouldn't be spending time with our family and our seven, five, and three-year-olds. Like, there is a, you know, folks who want to go up to Washington because they like the cocktail class circuit. It's It's so interesting to me that... I think he feels a sense of relief when she's there. And maybe he's like, I need her with me. You I, know? I think he does feel that way. But even, you know, her first statement right there, people are, she says, people are criticizing us because we're spending time with our kids. What a ridiculous statement. Yeah. You know, it's like no one is criticizing them for that. No. What they're criticizing them for is dragging their kids in front of strangers every day in and day out yeah. at all of these events that that cannot be healthy for young kids. And and by the way, going back to another thing, I mean, it's been chronicled that the person she idolized was Jackie O, was Jackie Kennedy. Right. And and her, in her mind, she's going back to all those film clips <laughs> of the Kennedy kids, you know, playing touch football on the lawn and you know it being but but those scenes were very natural. Mm -hmm. And they weren't forced. Yeah. That's who the Kennedys were. That's yeah. who that family was. Yeah. It was it was just them in their natural surroundings of all these little young kids running around and their pets. And but she's trying to recreate that like in Iowa <laughs> on the, <laughs> on the campaign trail, and it's just not it's not working. Let's uh, talk about Vivek Ramaswamy now. This guy could not be more annoying, even if you gave him a bag of annoying pills. And you unearthed a clip where you said, I wonder if he is self-aware enough to understand how much of a dick he sounds when he treats every person who asks a question like they are beneath him or corrupt or stupid. Here it is. You talked about Dems not propping up Michelle Obama um, or Newsom, but now Nikki Haley. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Are you saying Nikki Haley's going to run as a Democrat? You know, I, I think that uh, some of this is going to fly over the head of some of the media that's very, um, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful of you all. I know you're, you're you know, here on, on dispatch from your employers, but I think that this is going to be a little bit above your heads in terms of what's going on. Our Republican base understands it, and so I don't think I'm going to be able to translate it in a language that you're going to be able to understand. I mean... Okay. He just lost himself the election. <laughs> yeah, the person who sent that to me was the one who shot it. And she was like, she was just stunned because she had never seen him before. She's very non-political. She's, yeah. just, she's just a camera person. Right. And um, she sent it to me and she goes, what a, what a jerk that he was. This reporter was very respectful, was asking a, a, a fair question. And, you know, what does Vivek say? Basically what Vivek is saying there, Vivek, I'm sorry, Vivek is saying there is, you know, this is a right wing conspiracy theory that only, you know, right wingers on Twitter understand. You wouldn't understand it, member of the media, you know, and it's like, wh wh why do you have to answer every question that way? I mean, we see it in the debates, too. I mean, yeah. every question he gets from the media, he attacks the questioner's motives. He, he's, you know, attacks whether they're corrupt. And in this case, attacks whether they're aware of a right wing conspiracy yeah. theory. Um, and and that person may be very well aware of it. And that's why he's asking the question. The point is, is that 
You know, this goes all the way back to George H.W. Bush, who I who I think really lost his election in 1992. One big reason why he lost was he was constantly doing this less in a less abrasive way. But he was constantly at warring and fighting with reporters in the media uh, and, and calling them on their bias. And and that that may be true. Reporters may have bias from, from this person or that person. But you can't do that as a political candidate. You can't fight with the media. Voters don't like it. We saw this with Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake did this, too, constantly fighting with reporters. Just give your talking points. If you don't want to answer their questions and you want to say something different, just give your talking points. But don't fight with the press. But this all goes back to Donald Trump and from 2016 when he started the war on the media, enemy of the yes. people, fake news. And, and you know, we talk about democracy collapsing in America. Well, for me, as a journalist, it's like to refer to the free press as the enemy of the people is really that first kind of line of the on the fascism list where it's like if you turn the press against the people the press are the people journalists are the people they are representing the people and you need them in order to maintain a functioning democracy and he has trashed that and so people like ramaswamy are picking up that baton carry lake as well and running with it and and, and it's called on in a different way though because Trump loves the press. That's the difference. Yeah. Okay. Vivek, Kerry, like they they hate them. They loathe the press. They condescend to them. They think they're the enemy. And, and George H.W. Bush felt the same way. Right. But Donald Trump doesn't feel that way. It's that's an act to him. You know, it's oh, fake news, fake news. You know, he says that to discredit them when they're unearthing bad things about him. Mm-hmm. But Donald Trump does not do this to reporters. I mean, sometimes he'll do it to female reporters. Yeah. But usually he doesn't attack the questioner and he doesn't attack their motive. He'll just give his do, do his thing and give his spin. So so it is a little bit different um, in, in terms of the, the combativeness. Understood. Um, we need to I've got a lot to kind of get through. Actually, I've realized that we have been talking so much about Donald Trump that, you know, we're missing out on so many joys. Oh, there was that clip that you posted where you just wrote, oh, my God, separated by several spaces. It was it was the video of Ron DeSantis eating a sandwich in a Jewish delicatessen where it looked like he'd never had a meal before. You also had the 800 year old man standing behind him completely like (laughs) blown away by this moment. And then whilst he had food in his mouth, he starts then asking if what else they sell turkey, pastrami corned beef. If you're eating right now, I apologize for sharing this clip. Here it is. Do you guys, um, so you do pastrami, corned beef, turkey, what else? Pastrami. The one you have like a big sandwich, it's like 23 bucks. Which one is that? I don't want it. I mean, I apologize. It was the 2000 year old man, not the 800 year old man. If I'm going to do a Mel Brooks reference, I might as well get it right. Um, I mean, 
you know, it's a, I, I don't really condone playing these kind of clips because it's, you know, it's a little unfair, but maybe he was just hungry. <laughs> what's, what's your take oh, on this? See, there, there's, so there's two parts to this. I posted two clips from this visit. So yeah. what he's doing is he's going to this uh, Jewish uh, restaurant, deli, and the purpose of the visit was this oh, the owner of the place has a relative who is a hostage in Gaza. Okay. And so he had a picture of her on like a one of those, you know, posters, kidnapped posters. And you know, he was trying to tell DeSantis about his relative and her plight. And DeSantis was just, yeah, 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 just blowing, blowing it off, like did in one ear out the other, paid no attention. And then they give him this sandwich. And, you know, he wolves. I've talked about his eating habits and his personal habits and how he wolves things down. And so so I posted two clips. I posted the one of him blowing off the guy with the, you know, the kidnap relative. Uh, And and in fact, what he did was the, the guy tried to show him. The uh, DeSantis, the picture of his of his kidnapped relative, and what does DeSantis do? Takes it and holds it up, and with a big grin on his face, like he's he's posing for a selfie with it. So that was bizarre. So I posted both things. Now, of course, him being bizarre about the kidnapped Jewish relative didn't get hardly any engagement. The one of him stuffing his face with pastrami went viral. That's American politics for you, man. Yeah. I know it's 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 sad but true. But you know he's in a Jewish deli, and yet it was wasn't that long ago that he was condoning Nazi rallies in Florida by not condemning them. Right? Oh, he'll it, never condemn anything. Right? Like it's that, it's yeah. it's it just it's beggar's belief to me. Why do they even let him in? Um, tell me about this um, interesting theory, this kind of conspiracy theory. This is this the story from uh, Tim Burchett, Representative Tim Burchett. It claims that some Republican members of Congress have been compromised by Russian hookers and drugs. They're being blackmailed to switch their votes. You know, when you posted this the other day, I was thinking this is a huge story if there's any truth to it. Is there any truth to it? I mean, you know, that's you're right. I mean, but it's hard. I kept like there's been no media coverage of this. A handful of right wing um, uh, outlets picked it up, smaller ones, but. Largely, you know, no mainstream media picked up on this. I have no idea why. You have a member of Congress who's been served three terms. It's not like this guy's, you know, just falling off the turnip truck here. And he's making these accusations against his own Republican colleagues that are quite serious, specific, that they're changing their votes because they're being blackmailed. And it, And I'm just like thinking... James Comer's been chasing down Hunter Biden checks for three years, you know, with nothing. And this guy's saying much worse is happening right, right now. And and it seems like that, like nobody cares. Now, maybe Burchett is maybe they're chalking it up to Burchett's being some kind of nut job. But he's he said this a few times now. So it's not like he's. And it does make sense because yeah, this is the kind of operations that the, the, the Kremlin does do aside from poisoning people and everything else disappearing people and all sorts let's listen listen and i would advise people to really listen carefully to what this guy is saying because this is a if if there if there is evidence then this is a massive story that is waiting to break their portfolios and they love their money more than they do anything else and they protect it and they protect the people 
that that do that. And by doing so, you know, the old honeypot, the Russians do that. And I'm sure members of Congress have been caught up. Why in the world would would good conservatives vote for crazy stuff like what we've been seeing out of Congress? It's how it works. You're visiting, you're out of the country or out of town or you're in a motel or bar in D.C. and some whatever you're you're into women or men or whatever comes up and they're very attractive and they're laughing at your jokes and, and they, and you're buying them a drink. Next thing you know, you're in the motel room with them naked. And next thing you know, you know, you're about to make a key vote and what happens? Some well-dressed person comes up and whispers in your ear, Hey man, there's tapes out on you. Were you in a motel room on whatever with whoever? And then you're like, uh Oh, and said, you really ought not be voting for this thing. I mean, you know, and what do they do? It's human nature. And, um, you know, no man or no woman actually is an island and they know what to get at. You know, if it's women, drugs, booze, it'll find you in D.C. and in most elected offices. And that's what people of power and influence do. And it's just, you know, I've been in this game my whole life. I spent 16 years in the state legislature in Tennessee and eight years as county mayor. And now I'm in my fifth year of Congress. But it, it's just it, it, the stakes are higher, but the, but the game is still the same. If Aaron Sorkin wrote that, you wouldn't believe it, right? If it, if it was in House of Cards or The West Wing or any of these amazing shows. And yet, <laughs> here it is coming from the horse's mouth. And he's not accusing Democrats. I mean, this isn't a Democrat accusing Republicans. No. It's, it's him saying it about his own people. And this is not the, the, not the first time. I mean, Madison Cawthorn brought this stuff up. Yeah. George Santos brought this stuff up. Yeah. So he's not the only one talking about this stuff happening. And by the way, I know you're from London. Naked is Tennessean for naked. I, I was going to ask you what that yeah. was. Naked. Naked. Yeah. N-E-K-K-E-D. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he says. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could just say, well, that's just Burchett being Burchett and talking crazy, but I don't know. Seems like there's a lot of smoke here. There's at least as, as much smoke as James Comer has dug up on Hunter Biden. This notion of of them kind of reversing stories, a bit like with the whole kind of claim of the Russia hoax, as they called it. You know, the, the, the Russia investigation, the Mueller report, all of that stuff was based in truth. Even the Steele dossier was was based in truth, much of it. And... And yet they've managed to kind of rewrite the narrative by repeating Russia, Russia, Russia and all this stuff. And yet all roads do seem to lead to the Kremlin time and time again. And, and you know, Joe Rogan has been a big proponent of this stuff as well. You know, and, and I'm going to play a clip that you posted where he says people regret voting for Joe Biden and was labeling Biden mentally incompetent for talking about airports during the Revolutionary War. And then during the clip, he gets fact-checked because he discovers that actually it was Joe Biden taking the mickey out of Donald Trump for saying it. And then he has to backtrack. This is a very interesting clip. But for more reasons than that, because, you know, he even references the, you know, the Russia hoax and stuff. I mean, Joe Rogan has the biggest view or the most viewed podcast in history. Does. And, and yet he is, to all intents and purposes, a, a far-right, you know, Republican, potentially Russian operative. Do you see what I mean? It's like the the way that the way that he talks 
suggests to people in the know that that all of these conspiracies to people who don't know any better are effectively hearing some really, you know, horrific stuff. Doesn't make any sense. But this was a moment that he got caught out. Do you want to say anything about it before I play the clip? Well, I'll just say, I, you know, I played this to my Trump-loving son on Christmas Day because yeah. he was talking up Rogan and he was saying, oh, you know, I heard Rogan said this. I go, wait a minute. Let me play you something from Rogan. And I, I played him this. Right. It's it's so interesting, isn't it? Because occasionally when they make the mistakes and the veil slips, that you really see that the whole thing is a production. The whole thing is an act. The faux outrage. And in fact, the kid he has on with him, who's just like agreeing, is is the worst kind of proponent of this type of behavior. To kind of egging them on to, to criticize Joe Biden, based in and, and by the way, he's also the highest paid podcaster in the world. Right. I mean, this guy's making pulling down a huge amounts yeah. of money, gazillions. Uh, yeah. and, and this is what I've talked about before, by the way, which is, you know, we focus so much on like TV hosts. People like Joe Rogan have way more influence over right. over more people yeah. than your average. Uh, Fox or or even uh, yeah, you know, well, it's like talk radio over over decades. Yeah. You know the the Rush Limbaugh movement that has really changed the DNA of people. And I, and I've referenced a few times this amazing documentary called The Brainwashing of My Dad, where the documentary maker makes a film about her father who had a job where he had to drive for a couple of hours each way each day, and he was a liberal. And over twenty years, he got reprogrammed because he was listening to this extremist and far-right talk radio. It's, you know, this is how America got, got brainwashed. It's, it's, it's very sad. Anyway, let's take a look at the clip. Here it is. Well, you know, there's people that voted for Biden that are doing it now. They're, yeah. they're like, I, what did I do? Right. Like, what did I choose? Like, I, how is this guy? Yeah, you just can't listen to an interview where he's saying some of the stuff he says that just makes no sense at all. It's like you, you can't listen to those interviews and feel like you made a good decision. I, I don't know how Did you Did you hear what he said like yesterday or a couple of days ago? He said, he's talking about the Revolutionary War. He's like, one of the reasons why we lost the Revolutionary War, one of the problems with the Revolutionary War was they didn't have enough airports. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that? I saw that. <laughs> like, what that? the hell? Like, pull him. It's <laughs> crazy. If you were, if you had any other job and you were talking like that, yeah. they would go, hey, you're done. If you talk like that to a doctor at your yeah. medical exam for to fight, they'd yeah. be like, okay, like obviously you're not fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. would also, here's, you know, eight weeks of, of being helped out by a professional. Like, right. You, you might not ever do anything. Again. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of the wildest things ever. It's insane. Yeah. And the, the media gaslighting you to protect. It's just people are so afraid of Trump being in office and yeah. Republicans being in office. You know, a few moments later, hanging out with the guy, I'm like, man. Well, you know, it's just the media narrative. I mean, so many people were fed this lie that he, the Russia collusion. Yeah. Was this? Was this the video you're talking about? Let me see what this one says. I don't think it is. By the way, the same stable genius that said the biggest problem we had in the Revolutionary War is we didn't have enough airports. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's it. Whoa. Right. What? Just for, for the record. Is that fake? It's not fake, but he was referencing Trump saying that. 
Here's what Trump's saying it in 2019. Oh. Donald Trump said something about that. He didn't say G- Jesus. He said a stable genius, and that's where the, oh. the transcription. Let me hear what it says. What did he say? <clears throat> in June of 1775, the Continental Congress created a unified army out of the revolutionary forces encamped around Boston and New York and named after the great George Washington commander-in-chief. The Continental Army suffered a bitter winter of Valley Forge, found glory across the waters of the Delaware, and seized victory from Cornwallis of Yorktown. Our army manned the airport. It ran the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he did. But I feel like <laughs> to <go> that's <laughs> just, you can yeah. tell too. It sounds like a little different. He's like you could tell he like messed up his words. But yeah, yeah, he was just, I don't know. To go over the airport. Well, that's the thing funny. about that's but the thing about media these days. It's like right. You, you got to look into it. Yeah, the media. The media. Like the media. You know, I mean, it's it's you see where he says he's anybody who says that is totally disqualified. You'd put yeah. him in a home. Yeah. And then he finds out Trump, it was Trump that said that. Oh, oh well, you know, he screwed up. You it's know. the back. It's the backtracking and the faux outrage. And and if people yeah. think that, because you know, it's not just Joe Rogan. You know, there are these huge media personalities. Elon Musk is another one who spent forty-four billion dollars buying the town square, right? Even though it was worth less than a third of that, and now less than a quarter. Is that, you know, they are all operatives, right? I don't know who for. I guess, you know, it could be the the RNC. It could be the Kremlin. It could, it could be anybody. But the point is that they, they keep repeating propaganda that comes, you know, is that Vladimir Putin would be thrilled to know was being said. Sure. And, and, you know, so this is my concern is that these people who have been given platforms or bought platforms who have a mouthpiece and an audience, they are just grifting as well. Everyone is making their money. Everybody's got their agenda. And and that is not a game that Democrats play. They just don't. No, they don't. I mean, we could doctor stuff, fakes, make fake stuff, lie about stuff all day long. If we wanted to, it'd be pretty easy to do. Uh, but no, we get called on the carpet. We get fact checked. This is why I talked about this before. It's so much easier to be this right wing social media influencer because you never get fact checked because yeah. they don't care. Whereas if you're on the left and you're doing the same thing, you get if you say one thing wrong, you get called out on it, which is yeah. good. You know, but it's also much more lucrative on the right. It is, and and that really, you know, unfortunately, money. Everybody has their price. And there are plenty of people who have shifted their politics. I mean, look at Trump. Trump was no Republican, right? He he effectively shifted his entire political position yeah. because he knew that there was money to be grifted out of Republicans and conservatives and evangelicals and 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 a group that was easy to grift. And and that is the tragedy of us having to meet every week to have these conversations, Ron, is that the whole thing is based on a lie. You know, on 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 this faux outrage, and Trump just getting on the gravy train. 
the, the critical thinking skills of the people on the right are nowhere near what they are on the left. And yeah. I, I've been on both sides, as you know. Yeah. You know, I can tell you that as an objective. But observer. Rogan is not smart. I mean, Rogan no, is not. not an intelligent person. And and yet it seems like it's 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 he's managed to convince people that he is. Yeah, I don't right? know how. <laughs> What's what's the name of that other character, Jordan Peterson? Again, you got Tim Pool. Yeah, these, these people are—they're are, not, not smart, but no. they are—they are grifters and political operatives, and they have huge audiences. Huge audiences. Crazy. Yeah. Let's talk about Carrie Lake just for a minute. We don't have a huge amount of time, so I'm kind of keen to get this little clip in. So you posted that uh, you called her Rudy 2.0, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, And that she's not happy with the judge's ruling. She says they're suing me for defamation for having the courage to point out all the election fraud. Just tell us about this and I'll show the clip. This case has flown under the radar because Rudy's case has gotten a lot more attention, but... You know, Carrie Lake said very made very similar accusations about the Arizona election officials. Yeah. Okay, uh, more senior officials than a situation with Ruby Freeman, uh, people who are actually running the elections offices, but very similar allegations, and and those people are suing her as well for defamation, and so I think that you know, and she of course is running for Senate. She this is the last thing she needs right now. A and B, she's got a considerable amount of money like Rudy, you know, yeah. saved up yeah. to where she's not, you know, judgment proof. Like they can really hurt her with this. Well, you know, she tried to get this case thrown out with a motion to dismiss saying she had First Amendment rights and all of this and that. But uh, the judge denied it, tossed her, tossed her, uh, her uh, motion out. So this is going to go to trial and it's going to most likely go to trial in the middle of her Senate campaign which is not going to be helpful to her. You know, if she's got to be in trial in June, July, and then gets hit with a, you know, a few million dollar judgment in the middle of the campaign, not helpful. It's also not helpful because she's completely changed her strategy this time around from 2022. She's trying to present this kinder, gentler image where she's doing a lot of stuff with kids and, and she's not this fire breathing person that she was in 2022 she's not talking about election fraud or trump so she's trying to sort of recreate herself for like the ninth time and the last thing she wants is to drag this stuff back through the courts again but it's happening to her you can't just say anything and and get away with it you know or repeatedly say things you know you can slip of the tongue is fine or to make a kind of a misstatement but to keep pushing the fact that the election was stolen to devalue democracy it's you know that's that was her calling card so you can't backtrack from that here she is out and that's why they're in a panic about the election that's why they're trying to indict president trump that's why they're suing me for defamation for having the courage to point out all of the election not just irregularities but election fraud these government officials are now suing me trying to take everything i have away from me for having the courage to speak out. And that tells you right there they're trying to hide something. Oh, absolutely. We know our elections are not honest. We know they're not, uh, they're not on the up and up, and the American people want honest. The American people want honest. They've come to the wrong place. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Truth is an absolute defense in a defamation case. So yeah. if, if, if what she's saying is true, then she'll win. And but here, here's the, this is the problem with with Rudy's case. You know, he claimed he was going to prove it was true, and he never did. 
So now she's going to have her chance. Go ahead and prove it in a courtroom. The problem is they, they always prove their cases on podcasts. But when you when they get in court under oath, there's yeah. no proof. Two different personalities. It's the same with Trump. The guy he is in front of a judge is very different to the guy he is outside the courtroom. Uh, I want to finish with Donald Trump, actually. You have a couple of clips of him. The one We've got one about the health care promise and the other one with uh, Nikki Haley. Let's, let's start with uh, the Nikki Haley one um, because she is, I mean, to all intents and purposes, suddenly doing rather well in polling. Not that polling necessarily is where we you know, put all of our trust, but she is actually only a few points behind him now. In New Hampshire, yeah. I mean, she's not going to win. She's not going to do, I think, that well in Iowa. She'll do okay. But she's she's got a shot in New Hampshire. And, yeah. and uh, because what happened is the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, endorsed her, and he's quite popular in, in New Hampshire. And so that was huge for her. Um, what would be even bigger for her is for Chris Christie to get out because he polls really well in New Hampshire. Right. So if he got out and backed her, she could she could definitely beat Trump. And and this poll really has Trump rattled. I mean, he has gone all out attacking Haley this week because he's he's completely freaked out about this poll. And if somehow she can pull out New Hampshire, I, I really would love to see it. I'm not a huge Nikki Haley fan, but I just know that Trump would completely melt down. And then, by the way, after New Hampshire, they go to South Carolina, which is her home state. So it's a pretty solid Trump state. But, you know, she's got a shot to do pretty well yeah. there, too. Let's uh, he rushed out this video to try and you know counterbalance the this news of her doing well in New Hampshire. Here it is. Great poll numbers in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Frankly, great poll numbers everywhere. Thank you very much and make America great again. So why that why that's funny is that poll came out and he literally like ran into his home studio there at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> filmed that literally like an hour later. And it's only like five seconds. Yeah. And, and put that out. That's how insecure he is, that he felt the need to do that. And we're going to see more of that as time goes on. You know, when there's when there's rulings and judgments, he'll be in and out of that kind of weird, kind of Stalinistic studio that he has there, you know, with the flags behind and the dim lighting and stuff. It's so interesting, isn't it, how his insecurity is going to become very much, you know, part of the, it's going to be kind of the linchpin for all of his appearances. Because there's going to be so much criticism, as well as judgments and rulings and gag orders and various, you know, even more legal cases against him, that he's going to end up having to just make these denial responses or just try and rewrite history as he often does. Yeah, I think. And I also I've said this, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if he skips this Iowa debate. Yeah. You know, there's this big debate in Iowa a week before the caucus. And this is the local debate. It's not a Fox thing. You know, it's local Iowa TV, local moderators. No person has ever skipped that debate, uh, you know, and as, as a serious candidate. Is he actually going to skip that one? If he does, I, I truly believe that that one will hurt him if he skips. So That's interesting, because I, yeah. I personally think he is going to skip every debate. He may. I don't, I don't think there is a single televised debate that, or even non-televised, unofficial debate that he he will appear at. Well, it, what I, what I want to see real quick is yeah. if he does not appear at that 
and and if he does it does hurt him will he then appear at the next one that that'll be interesting to watch well he's not taking advice from anybody is he i mean he's doing everything on gut and i think his theory is that the less exposed he is the less chance he has of having to answer to things because you know on the fly he will he knows that he will make mistakes he knows that he's not teflon coated and uh Deep inside, I think the insecurity, the one way for the narcissist to protect themselves out in the in the wild is just not to go into the wild, Yeah, you know, just to be in controlled environments. Um, I want to finish with this clip on healthcare. Of course, when he was president, he kept announcing every two weeks that in two weeks <laughs> there would be the new Trump healthcare plan that he was going to overturn or repeal Obamacare and replace it with something that is cheaper and has better health care, which of course, as we know, is not possible. You know, in, in this country that, that has for-profit health care, the last person on the planet that would be able to negotiate better health care for less money is Donald Trump. And yet he kept promising it and could never do it. And now he's doing it again. I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it with much better health care. Health care that's absolutely better than what you have right now and also cheaper to you. So what is he talking about, Ron? (laughs) Okay, so what's the where's the plan? I mean, I don't even know why he he did this this time, because, I mean, he he did the same thing in 2016, promised this big health care plan. It never it never came. And then we had the famous moment with. um, Kelly and uh, Kelly and Conway, the uh, the one that's on Fox now, uh, Kaylee McEnany yeah. had the 60 minutes interview and she claimed that she had Trump's health care plan and it was binders of empty paper and he never proposed one. And and now, you know, three years has gone by. He's not talked about health care at all. And now all of a sudden this week out of the blue, he's he's promising another health care plan. The reason why I don't understand it is uh, two two reasons. Number one. No, nobody on the right is calling for this. Like you don't hear anybody in Congress or even his supporters, his MAGA base saying we need to repeal Obamacare. Like you don't hear that like you did in 16. That was an issue in 16. It's not anymore. Like most of them actually don't mind Obamacare. Or they're even using it. I mean, that's the other thing. There's a huge number of Republicans. It's it's not even an issue. And then number two is like, He's so obviously faking it at this point. Like even his supporters have to know, like, this is bullshit. Yeah. You know? So I don't understand why he's doing this. It's just so weird, you know, and I I feel like maybe it's muscle memory with him, right? <laughs> he he has these old tropes. He's running out of stuff. He's thinking, what can I say? Because, you know, I'm things are not looking good. So I'll I'll do the healthcare shtick again and see where that gets me. What a right, joke. Right. Okay, listen, we have to finish, but uh, it's been a pleasure. I enjoy you as ever. And um, let's, uh, you know, do it again next Wednesday. What do you think? All right. Hopefully you're you're both married now, so we can't we can't have that excuse for for next week. So no, no. Okay, got to focus on the show. We'll just focus on the show. Thanks for reminding me that, Ron. All right. <laughs> Have yourself a good day. Everybody check us out on Twitter and threads and also at MidasTouch.com. Thank you.